0: And welcome everyone to Getwoke Wellington, brought to you by the National Council of Women, the Wellington Branch. I'm Aisha Sayadasev. I'm am Amy. I'm Ashlyn,
1: and
2: I'm Harita. And we're your hosts for today. Today we're interviewing Jan Logie. Jan Logie was born in Invercargill. She graduated from the University of Otago with a BA in Politics, and served as the Women's Coordinator for the New Zealand Union of Students Association from 1993 to 1996. She has lived and worked in Japan as an assistant language teacher on the JET program, and she's also previously worked for the Women's Refuge, the Hutt Valley Youth Health Service, and New Zealand YWCA, and the New Zealand Centre for Sustainable Cities. And obviously, she's also involved in politics. She also describes herself as a lefty feminist lesbian in her maiden speech at Parliament and she lives in Poriroa. Welcome, Jan. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's um, really good to have you on, especially before you finish up in Parliament and your career with um, politics, I guess. Um, So we'll get straight into it. So you've been honoured over the years with many different portfolios, such as child poverty, disabilities, workplace relations, human rights, the rainbow community family and sexual violence, and I'm sure there's more that I've missed out. Women. Of course, yes. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) How how proud are you of your achievements in these portfolios,
0: and is there anything you wish you could have done better at the time? Oh, such a tricky question to start. It's great. (laughs) Um, I'd say, like, first up, in terms of being honoured with those portfolios, being an MP in a smaller party, (laughs) like... That's how it works is you get a whole lot of portfolios. It's usually like between eight or 12 different portfolios um, and that's just the reality of having to share it all out between a small group of Mm. people. Um, But it's been amazing Um, and particularly like – in two ways of, one, to get to continue work on issues that I've worked on for many, many years in the community, Mm. like for example, around um, family violence or domestic violence and sexual violence, Um, but also sometimes to pick up a portfolio where I've had no background, like immigration, for me, was fascinating, and it was at the time where there was a national government and they were introducing laws to... um, so-called um, enabling them to detain people seeking asylum, mm. coming in groups, in quite small groups, but they were talking about mass arrivals and it was a lot of their thinking was kind of in breach of the UN Convention, Refugee Convention and, um, and it, then I became really passionate about that as a topic because I got to learn about it through that process, which is a real privilege. Um, The things I'm proud of, I think, like I wanted to come into Parliament from the experience of having been an advocate in the community and realising that it was possible to work in partnership with members of Parliament Mm. and achieve more when you had somebody on the inside yep. who was able to assist you to strengthen your advocacy and lobbying. Mm. Um and so for me that I think probably has been the highlight in being able to be that person for different groups. Yeah. Um I'm I am I like I, I I grew up in a family where it was like pride comes before a fall. <laughs> so <laughs> like a little bit kind of um, nervous about talking about things (laughs) that I might be proud of because then it's like, oh, what's going to come next? Um, But the passing the domestic violence, workplace protections Mm. legislation um, that enables uh, survivors and those caring for children who have had experience of domestic violence to take leave from work and get support from their employers to be able to be safer at work, to help... um, mostly it's women, right, um, stay in work, which then provides them that pathway to safety. Yep. Um, like other countries and states um, around the world have been picking that up. Mm. Like, so and that, that was a eight-year campaign wow. um, working really closely with NCW, um, <laughs> who did fora and the PSA union, who um funded the research on the economic modelling to be able to make sure that we could allay the concern that businesses couldn't afford this, mm. to actually show that it would be a benefit to businesses to be able to do this economically. Um, like that that was incredible. Also the sexual violence legislation for that was um, for me really um, a significant first step in helping make sure that, and really first step, that survivors of sexual violence um, have the an, a realistic option to go to the police mm-hmm. and to court um, and for the Crown to take responsibility or to start taking responsibility for the harm that our laws were causing survivors in our court system and to reduce that harm. Um, And that I feel proud of, I say that nervously still, (laughs) because it was a real battle and I had not in any way been prepared for Mm. um, how much of a battle that was going to be. And um, I still feel quite furious about how difficult that was.
2: So can I ask, Mm, and if you can't answer this, that's
0: fine, but who was against all of this? Yeah. Um, There was a very strong lobby from defence lawyers, um, yeah, who on one hand would say, we don't do any of those terrible things that you're saying you need to have laws to protect against. Um, and yet the research shows that it happens. And maybe, you know, to give them the credit, maybe they're not doing it personally, but they're not seeing the others who are doing it. Yeah. Um, and And if I'm really generous, like I get that defence lawyers... Um, and many of them will be working for marginalised clients who are struggling in the system um, to access their rights to justice. Uh, however, <laughs> we know in terms of sexual violence that very few cases get to court, mm. because partly because the assessment of what it's possible to win and what it's possible for a survivor to sustain mm. th- themselves whether they can manage that process because it's been so awful, um, so justice is not is can never be looked at as just one party. If only one party gets it mm. right, yeah. and the legislation was also about um, putting in place. Access to communications assistance for people who struggle to understand, whether that be from reasons of trauma or learning disabilities or processing um, issues, that may mean that they struggled to understand what was happening in the court, and that was put in place through partly through this process for the um, complainants and the defendants, mm-hmm. and and I think. That's, um, you know, like we weren't being one-sided about this, but when we have a 1% conviction rate yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sexual violence, then actually um, while ensuring the rights of defendants, um, we had an absolute duty to push through mm. that resistance to make sure that we made Improve the system.
1: Mm. Yeah, you can't argue with, I mean, 1%, something's not working. Exactly, Mm.
0: right? And the changes that we were introducing, like, they've been done in other countries. Like, and their justice systems did not fall apart as a result. Like, you know, they, they, and they still haven't fundamentally improved the system they've made an improvement, but they haven't changed it, which is why, you know, like things that um, I wish I'd done differently and it's almost like we didn't get the choice to, but at the same time we introduced that legislation, we got cabinet approval for work to look at alternatives to the justice system because a whole lot of survivors, like you know, when it's, a friend mm.
2: they're too scared to even tell <laughs> They're anyone too about scared
0: it. Uh, or they just mm. they just want that person to learn, mm. yeah. to be accountable, to acknowledge what they did, and to not do it to somebody else, right? Yeah. Like if I think of my experiences, I, I wouldn't have want somebody locked up for what they did. Mm. but I, but I would have loved to have had a process that I could trust that I could have used for that person to acknowledge what they did to me and to be sure that they wouldn't do it to anyone else. Yeah,
1: that
0: they've learnt their lesson. That Right?
1: There's power in rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and our our prisons don't really provide that and actually can make things worse at the moment. They can protect survivors from having to encounter a person and from that sense of very real fear and in some cases that's that's at the moment necessary but how amazing if that could be rehabilitative mm. as well and for all of the other cases to have a process yeah. to engage to change behavior without having to do that like and so um I that work has stalled after um I am um, with the change of government and um and I wish we'd been able to make more progress so it couldn't have stalled. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah.
1: It's difficult here because um I'm from Ireland and we have four year terms. And yeah. I, I often think here, I'm like, gosh, it's so hard in three years. You're just you're in the door yeah. you're And then maybe you year out. <laughs> and then you're out again. Yeah. It's so challenging. Yeah.
0: It really and it's I this is like Full geek of me, um, I've like really more interested in the kind of the functioning of our parliament and our democracy, and um, and I, I think we've got so much work to do to really strengthen it, and I think people need it to be stronger, mm. and part of it is that three year cycle. You've got, particularly if you've got a new government, like. All of those ministers learning
2: what it is to be a minister
0: and the public service getting their heads around the fact that there's a whole new direction is actually quite challenging is what I've seen. And different ways and expectations of working. Like when I went into that role last term in government and the first time on a piece of legislation and I asked the officials to go and talk to the community because I wanted their input. And they came back with um, a design for a select group where everyone had to sign forms that they wouldn't talk to anybody and it would be top secret. I was like, that's not how we engage. (laughs) We want people to be talking and engaging and bringing in perspectives and be transparent. Mm. But that was the culture. That they, and the only thing that they'd seen done in the public service. So, all of those things are are kind of underlying changes that you don't necessarily see that come with a change of government. And so, you've got, you know, and then your third year. So much of that becomes about the election, Mm. not actually delivering the policy work, work, right? So it's ridiculous. But the counter to it is, and I'm fully nerding out, sorry, (laughs) but is that actually we don't have good enough checks and balances on government, and that's supposed to happen in our parliament through the work of the opposition and our select committees, which are pretty cool systems But actually there's growing advocacy and I share the view is that there aren't the resources to be able to be that effective check and balance. Um, And so that moving to a longer term for government when the opposition parties aren't able to properly scrutinise the workings of it, it's a risk for people, right? Yeah. And I think we need to do both of those changes, like more resource into Parliament in terms of scrutiny and a longer term. And I also think the work around mai, if you know around constitutional reform that's Tetriti based, mm-hmm. kind of gives us a model for kind of looking at how we can strengthen all of that together.
1: Yeah, there's huge opportunity there for sure. I'm just fascinated listening to your portfolio you do so many things it's it's incredible mm-hmm. but it must be really challenging to balance all those was there ever times where you found it really difficult to do that juggle or were there any times you come up with just really intense challenges in any of your portfolios.
0: I think <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, How <long>? oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, um, I think, like, when I first came into Parliament, and like, um, and I think this is, I. Some people maybe wear the responsibility of the job more lightly. Um, that's not a strength of mine, and um, and particularly in my first term i found it really really hard to um say no and prioritize which actually you have to do to be able to be effective mm. but when you know that nobody else is going to pick <laughs> up guilty, an issue yeah. and people have genuine and important concerns like i i found that really really hard and I remember going back to my old workplace and doing a lecture and pretty much everyone afterwards came up to me and they're like are you okay <laughs> 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 I was clearly like Very angry, completely overwhelmed <laughs> and just you <yep, laughs> hanging in there just oh my no. fingernails <laughs> but
1: it must be hard because you're sick. Seeing- right? The people and your constituents. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's
2: not you want to help everyone. Yeah, it's not an anonymous
1: face. It's just like it's you know, it's Jane that's having this issue, and I know Jane. Right. It's a twenty four seven job. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I mean, we kind of, and I think it is one of the. It links back to that thing about the capacity of our parliament and the resourcing, right? Because, and particularly for us as smaller parties is that actually we don't, we're, and we're not funded to have the resource as list MPs to do casework. Mm. Okay. So we kind of have to raise things up to a kind of a systems level and try and support people to be able to connect to somebody who does have that capacity. Um but even then, like, you know, you think about the systems issues, like if I think now around Oranga Tamariki I've got, um, child poverty, mm. disability, workplace relations, ACC, like, you know, yeah, Te tiriti, know. Like you still, you can't even at a system level do all of the issues and all of the portfolios. But that's where you have to be strategic and think about what has a chance of um, being able to, where you may have a chance to actually cut through and make some change, and or what is a voice that is really nobody else is able to kind of provide that space Mm, for their entry into the political conversation? And do you have a chance of creating some cut-through in terms of engaging for that, yeah. Mm.
2: yeah. So much to consider. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what do you prioritise yeah. first, right, when yeah. everything's important? That's right. And then I guess the people you, you can't prioritise, then they end up getting more angry because they feel like you're neglecting them when yeah. it's not that at all,
0: right? Yeah. Mm.
2: So why have you decided not to campaign for the elections this year?
0: Well, um, the longest I'd been in a job before Parliament was three and a half years. <laughs> Bit of a jump. So this is pretty long. <laughs> this will be a record. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, like on one level, and um, and when I first came in, I wasn't like listen, maybe I shouldn't be saying publicly, but I wasn't a hundred percent confident that the Greens were holding the things I really cared about. Um, you know, and I look back on our position around kind of welfare reform at the time and we were pretty tentative <laughs> and just kind of like, oh, a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and we weren't um, doing very much around that kind of violence against women's mm. space. Um, and And now... Like I'm looking at my colleagues and just going, you've got this, (laughs) like they're fully, fully solid. And there aren't any of the conversations or kind of debating um, the importance or the value of pushing. Um, that we, we used to have, which, you know, I hear some people saying they think we're less radical now, and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> that's really interesting because we're not having the debates about things we were when I first came in. And so that makes me feel confident that it, I don't need to be in there to do it, and I don't like parliament. Mm-hmm. I, I feel it's a huge privilege um, to get to do the job and um, and now that I've decided to leave, I have a more, I'm starting to have more of an appreciation of that privilege because I'm not feeling compromised. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. all that stuff around having to make those choices and work in an environment which is tough. Like, yeah, you know, very like, cutthroat. <laughs> yeah. yep. it's, you know, yeah, it's gross, right? Like, mm. like, and it's improving. It's so much better than when I started. Like, I often look back and laugh on when in my first term, like sitting in parliament and there was like there's a tradition where you stand up and you clap for visiting um, members of parliament from other countries, mm-hmm. and, um, and a national MP, male MP, stood up and asked the House to stand and clap for the um, finalists in the Miss New Zealand um, contest who he had spent the last hour in his office with, ho, 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 ho. And there was this oh. gross, like, what? old man laugh that went around Parliament and everyone stood up and clapped them and it was just <laughs> like...
2: And Where was just am I? And
0: that was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, um, on the suggestion of one of my colleagues, the next day I had the Wellington Young Feminist Collective come into the gallery and I asked Parliament to stand up and, and clap mm. the Wellington Young Feminist Collective who I'd just been... Um, having an important discussion with in my office for the last <laughs> hour. As opposed to Miss New Zealand. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? And it was, and, and then, and that MP had apparently been doing that for years and it didn't happen again. Oh, well. Wow. After we laughed, you know, made pointed it out yeah. and made a joke of it, but it was just like,
1: oh. Well, yeah, there must be so many challenging experiences like that being a woman, in Parliament, I just has, so do you think it has improved? Do you think it still has a long way to go?
0: I think Parliament in in its kind of that kind of stuff um, absolutely has. Improved, and you know, it's reached the fifty percent mm. um, representation point in the chamber, and and I also remember in my first term, women and some of the other parties telling us that they were coached in how they had to talk and behave and dress, and then they would look at us and go, "But they're not having to." perform like that and the coaching was a very i would describe from what they told me as kind of a masculinized yeah. kind of performer performance mm. right of politics and and i think when the numbers shift that changes and i think um, and i'm really proud that the greens put in a quota and I proudly call it a quota, most people don't, but in terms of um, women's representation in our caucus, that helped shift that in Parliament. Um, And I think, so that's fundamentally changed, but do I think it's secure? No. And the degree of misogyny um, and the violence of the misogyny um, that women and particularly women of colour who are members of parliament are experiencing now is unprecedented. Mm. So that is a real threat, yeah. I think. Yeah, because yeah.
1: what's the incentive for a young
2: woman seeing yeah. that to come forward? I mean, yeah. terrifying. It's yeah. not really a job that many people want when they see all that abuse online and everything as well.
0: Yeah, and and that that it really worries me. And I think... Um, Parliament and again it comes back in partly I suspect around some of that's around resourcing mm. but I think our Parliament and our public has a responsibility mm. about trying to protect mm. um members of parliament from that yep. because, and, and I do want to also just say in terms of any young women who are listening to this or whatever their age and who have an interest in social change and have a voice and a connection to communities... That is only one aspect of the job Mm. and there are many aspects of the job around being able to be that link to communities, being able to connect to people who are doing amazing things Mm. and to be able to have those chances to um, affect change and partnership with people is a really beautiful thing. So I... I do feel that responsibility yeah. to try and hold those two things together because that's what we have to fight to protect Yeah. Absolutely. is um, yeah. the, you know, good women doing that. Yeah. yeah, and
2: I think also currently, like, there's so many young women in Parliament, which is great. Like, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking, like, Golra's Chloe Swarbrick, but yeah. like, she's so young. And Brooke Van Velden, yeah. Yeah. you know, they're all, you know, some of them not even 30 yet, yeah. and they're showing that the job can be done. Like, obviously it's a hard job, but yep. they've all stuck through it and they're doing amazing work.
0: Exactly, mm. yeah. And, um, and I do think it is really important, particularly when, you know, we think about climate change and how much of that is locked in already, that we have young women yep. and young women from diverse communities mm. who who can be in there speaking for that longer future. Yep, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. Yeah.
2: In your personal experience mm-hmm. um, in politics and in Parliament, have you experienced sexism or homophobia from the public's response to your position? And twofold, which you've kind mm-hmm. of already answered, but how are women treated compared to men
0: mm-hmm. in Parliament? So, yeah, I think... I probably don't need to go into any more of it around the Parliament process mm-hmm. and um, women's experience. Um, except just that stuff around it is quite interesting, and it's and how you see it changes the longer you're there, and which is quite interesting because um I, I think the average turnover is six years, mm-hmm. like, The two terms. Yeah, two terms kind of is the norm for people. And so once you reach past that point, you don't have to actually deal with some of the same rubbish that you have to deal with before that, that I experienced like of that classic stuff of, you know, you ask a question or you make a comment and it's just not heard Mm. and then... The guy next to you. Mm. <laughs> we've, all been there. So we've all been there. So many times, right? And it's just, and um, and there is a testing of new members of parliament that happens within the chamber. That's kind of ugly, um, but once people get through that, and it's, I think, very sexist. Mm. Um, then it gets easier, oddly. But the public stuff is, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I have experienced sexism and homophobia. Like um, the, but it hasn't felt to me as if my interactions with people have been characterised by that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, it's there. Some of the emails are so offensive, it's hilarious. Um, and and that's how I relate to those ones that don't include death threats. Yep. <laughs> you know, because um, I'm just like, wow, mm. that is some kind of world you are living
2: in. And you have to find some kind of way to cope with yeah. the hate, right? Yeah. It's best to just laugh at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think. That's my approach to it. <laughs> You mentioned
1: there about, you know, it being quite common. Uh, people do kind of the two terms. Mm. One of the things we've talked a lot about is Jacinda yeah. and her resignation. And what we found fascinating was the public reaction, particularly mm. in the media, of, oh, this is just proof women can't have mm-hmm. it all. And we were yep. thinking, well, she she did. Yeah, if we didn't realize we had to have it all for the rest of her life. Yeah, you know? yeah. We're <laughs> just wondering what you thought of the resignation and... I guess the
0: reaction to it as well. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the resignation, like I, I genuinely feel as if she led our country through an unprecedented time of crises. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to be tired at the end of that. <laughs> Anyone would be. Right? And to (laughs) recognise even a a man. man. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They don't normally feel it, do they? (laughs) You know, and to acknowledge that Mm, and to put the the interests of the country ahead of her own, like, political, like, in politics, I think there's that. And you could see it with her, right? Kind of of having to always be armoured. Mm. Mm. Like she wasn't able to, where she's in her valedictory speech talking about being sensitive. Yeah. And like imagine if she'd shown that fully, right? Like she showed her empathy but she didn't show and she couldn't show when she was affected by the attacks, mm-hmm. right? Because that's that. that would be...
2: Makes
1: you look weak. Yeah. Right? You become a
0: target. You mm. become a target, right? And so I have a huge amount of respect for her leadership. I, you know, I disagree with the poli- quite a few policy decisions. <laughs> and we're in different parties, that's mm. natural. But um, in terms of her leadership around, um, through the country, for the country through really difficult times, huge admiration and respect for her decision. I, in the, aftermath of it, I thought the conversation around misogyny being directed and, you know, the attacks and mm-hmm. the the cases that have gone to court of very real threats to her and her family, I thought was a really important conversation. And I wanted to see that go somewhere. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I hope that that's still... Um, will help inform some of the decisions around the way parliament works and different political parties work. And I hope that people listening as well, as we come up to this election, um, will also think about what, what you can do, what we can do, in terms of advocating for respectful conversation, um and and debate and really trying to um reduce the individualized violent personal attacks
2: yeah. yeah and i thought i also thought it was kind of interesting like you know john key effectively did yeah. the same thing as her he i think in december 2016 he announced he was not going to mm-hmm. run for the elec- 2017 elections mm-hmm. so he stood down you yeah. know about 9 months before elections which is the same thing she did yeah. But he just didn't get that hate. I think he did one more term than her, but that doesn't mm. make a difference. Mm. He'd already decided, mm. I'm not going to campaign, so there's no point staying, I'll resign. But when you look at that, you know, he hardly got any hate, whereas mm. she was getting death threats, not just for herself, but her daughter. Yeah. And it's you see the difference mm. and you're like, why is she getting all this, whereas he didn't?
0: Well, she was getting that before she said she would resign. And I I know and I, and I understand the politics about um why um, that wouldn't be a factor in her resignation mm-hmm. um, but the there are and I I think these are um, that kind of online hate. I don't think it's coming primarily from people in New Zealand mm. and I think um, people in New Zealand are being influenced by external forces yeah. and um, and I Personally, I find it very worrying. Mm,
2: yeah, yeah. It's all the keyboard warriors out there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm, it's true. Yeah. Um, sorry, pull up my mm-hmm. questions. <laughs> um, how did your friends and family react to you getting involved in politics?
0: I think. Um, the The initial decision to run was when my girlfriend was like, "Really, put up or shut up." <laughs> <laughs> was complaining about the politics too much. <laughs> um, yep, and I think nobody said don't do it, but um, but definitely, I had family members that were really w- were a bit worried. Mm. And, like, my mum was worried that, um, and she was like, you know, will your sexuality be a problem? Um, and and so that kind of, and people being worried, like, you know, that my the community that I live in wouldn't accept me because of my sexuality. Um, and I think, like, my family's not political, but... And while I've not, before that, not been really involved in parliamentary politics, I've been, like, advocating for change. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time. So I think in some ways that wasn't a surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Kind of like the, yeah, the advocacy just merged into the politics. Yeah. Which I think is, is getting more common nowadays. Yeah.
0: I, I like it as a model. I think it's a good progression and I hopefully so. I get to come back
1: <laughs> as well, right? yeah, Just go back to yeah, yeah. yeah, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and with that, a bit more information about how it works on the inside yeah. that I can hopefully share with others mm-hmm. and help them, you know. That's so important, that, that paying
1: it forward and helping the next generation of politicians
0: yeah, yeah. I, and, um, and not necessarily just the politicians, but, like, I got to be in, they called it a boot camp. It, it was a online training for uh, disabled advocates um, around how to lobby, like, how do you best kind of influence, um, politicians. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I can share that experience and, and help people kind of stand up hopefully a little bit. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. I loved it. So empowering. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's going to be sad to see you go out of parliament, but like you said, we've got so many amazing people there that yeah. will be carrying on the reins and then maybe some right. even more amazing people will get elected exactly. this year. And hopefully younger people. Yes. Females. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, we wish you all the best for whatever you you choose to do next in your career. Maybe you could have a break for a while and yeah. then do something. No. <laughs> <laughs> Might have earned a little holiday. Go yeah, for a holiday yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for your time and
0: oh, we wish you all you. the best. Thank you. It's been fun.